Welcome to Bespin Ice Cream Stand, the podcast that explores the past, present, and future of Star Wars. My name is Josh O'Rourke. You must seek a place known as the Heart of the Jedi. It can be found in the temple on the planet Angorathea. It is strong with the Force. The threads of energy which interweave to bind all life together have many crossings there. It is a collection point. Its concentrated power forms a sort of gateway into the pure essence of all being. There, you can truly become one with the Force. There, you can gain restoration, understand the truth, and find the peace you're looking for, Bennett Campbell Ferguson. (laughs) That is such a good introduction, and it's also just like one of the most impressively nerdy deep cuts I have ever heard. So so bravo, the the Force is with you, Josh. (laughs) Always. So today's episode, we're going to try to concentrate a little bit on, on Star Wars news, but there's actually like cool Star Wars news this week. Basically, I have been on kind of a, an expanded universe binge recently. I have been rereading the, the Thrawn trilogy at a kind of voracious pace. And so I, I started joining all these Facebook groups devoted to the expanded universe. And I saw that everyone was freaking out about something called uh, the Heart of the Jedi. And I was like, what? I've never heard of this. Turns out it's an expanded universe novel that was supposed to be published in the 90s. It was uh, canceled. And then it uh, basically resurfaced and was even uh, uh, being sold on Amazon and from which it abruptly vanished, presumably because uh, Disney put the kibosh on it. I mean, that's that's what I know. And I, I have a, definitely some thoughts about just kind of like what the heart of the Jedi sort of has become, come to represent in like Star Wars fan conversations, because uh, I think almost like the symbolism of like what it seems to have come to mean to fans is important. But what I don't know, I confess, is I haven't read the book yet. So I don't even know what the plot is. <laughs> Josh, do, do, do you, have you, I mean, obviously you've read some of it because you quoted it uh, just a second ago. Do, do you have a sense of like what, you know, the story is like when it takes place in Star Wars Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it takes place right, uh, essentially right after Return of the Jedi, but right after the Death Star, the second Death Star gets blown up and was meant to be kind of a Return of the Jedi a sequel and a setup for a new series, which was going to include um, other books and comic books as well. It was sort of a, a multimedia thing, sort of like, I don't know, like Shadows of the Empire, where they um, try to get at it from different angles and tell different parts of the story. The author, Kenneth C. Flint, he wrote mostly like Irish Celtic sort of fantasy and had some sci-fi elements and apparently... He says that George Lucas read one of his books and, and you know, asked for him. Because at the time, um, Lucasfilm had asked the publisher to publish some more Star Wars paperbacks because the Thrawn trilogy was so successful. So uh, Flint was chosen to write the first book. And apparently the editor at the publisher, Spectra, uh, according to Flint, promised a friend of, of theirs... Um, like the book number one spot and they kept delaying uh, Heart of the Jedi because of that to the point that it eventually got shelved and then uh, he even has a, a he talks about it a lot in um, if you go to starwarstimeline.net 
it's like a really really invaluable asset for like extended universe stuff and um they actually host the book there and you can also find the pdf file of heart of the jedi if you missed out on buying it at amazon um but anyway um, apparently, when Heart of the Jedi was shelved, it had taken so much time and effort that uh, Flint, the author, um, basically got disillusioned and depressed and stopped writing for years. But if you want to hear more about the author, um, Echo Base Network on YouTube is doing a live show this Saturday at 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. And we'll put a link in our show notes for that. But um, I'd love to hear his take on it because my understanding is... Uh, that the book got edited more recently. And then when they put it out on Amazon, um, they were selling it at cost. And it was actually selling way more than like the High Republic um, series of new Star Wars books and things like that. If you go on eBay, it's going for ridiculous amounts of money. It sold for one or 200 bucks, but uh, now it's going for more like 500 plus. And I suspect that'll only go up since there's so few copies. I mean, this is great because I didn't know much about the book itself i was so focused on, on kind of i guess the the sort of like the the arguing around the book and and what it's come to represent which i i feel like you were talking about josh like going back to that star wars wars heyday of the eu in the 90s and i realized you know this book emerging right now it, it's almost like 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 almost like a lost religious artifact or something like for anyone who wanted more of like the original EU and is sad that that's now been consigned to this, this legends continuity or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. this is like the, the kind of like secret artifact you didn't know about, you know, the last gasp of that golden age. And it's, it's kind of interesting to see like how this, this has become a flash point. And I think there's a, a lot of anger with like how the the expanded universe is is treated by you know Disney slash Lucasfilm now and to some extent I think you know they've treated it as well as they could because I mean it was inevitable that they were gonna like kind of like want to like you know bring everything into like one coherent continuity and and they have you know acknowledged the expanded universe like by you know bringing in characters and you know potentially bringing in Grand Admiral Thrawn. But, you know, at, at the same time, like, I feel like there is this this bitterness, and, and I, I certainly share it to a certain degree of, like, like God, we, we grew up with these books and these new characters. We grew up with, you know, Mara Jade and, and Talon Card and, and Kip Duron and, you know, whoever your favorite EU character was. And then it's like, you kind of patronize us by saying, well, that's all legends now, which is like almost like a euphemism <laughs> for saying like, it doesn't count, you know, get over it and buy all this you know, new stuff we're peddling, you know? And I feel like it's like, like all the anger over that has, has translated into like enthusiasm for, for the heart of the, the Jedi. Like the heart of the Jedi has become this lightsaber just, use against like modern day Lucasfilm and and again like like there's the part of me that's like yeah you know some of this is like kind of you know overblown and there's the other part of me you know that you know grew up with the EU and it's like like yeah like show you know Disney once and for all that the you know, 
the EU was better than the sequel trilogy, you know. I think the book represents a time when Star Wars had potential still. And and there was a lot of, of want or a lot of uh, interest in more Star Wars. And of course, they were turning out, you know, books and comics and such. But um, I think it's sort of um, a rose-tinted glasses situation of thinking about that time before we all, quote-unquote, hated George Lucas and he ruined my childhood or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really good point, and I think it's a complicated thing to, to look back on. I mean, I was born in 1991. I was born the same year that Heir to the Empire was published. So to a certain degree... I'm nostalgic for like an era of, of Star Wars stuff that I didn't even really, you know, experience. I mean, let me tell you, when I was a baby, my my parents did not like lull me to sleep at night by, you know, reading Timothy Zahn novels aloud. You know, <laughs> that was not a thing that happened. And so it's kind of interesting. Like, I mean, I, I was talking to a friend of mine recently and I was saying, you like kind of as you were saying just now, Josh, like, I think we have this nostalgia for this you know seemingly less conflicted period of star wars you know but before like like all these arguments about jar jar binks and uh, uh, midi chlorians and you know should ray be no one and all that stuff like that pre sequels pre prequels time like when we could all like be united under this banner of like oh the thrawn trilogy is cool dark empire is cool and but my, but my friend who I was saying this to, he said, you know, well, you don't know that. I mean, maybe there were these kind of arguments back then. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like maybe back in 1991, there were old guys who were like, you, you know, newfangled kids with your new fangled Thrawn trilogy. It'll never be as good as Splinter of the Mind's Eye, you know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, everyone thinks their nostalgic thing is better than your nostalgic thing. I think that's true, and it's kind of, I don't know, it, it's, there's a lot of, you know, mixed emotions that uh, come with this, uh, come with this, this kind of thing, and, and it's been interesting, like, for my part, you know, rereading the, the Thrawn trilogy, you know, so far, do I think it's better than the sequel trilogy? Yeah, I do, but at the same time, like, I'm also, you know, seeing some flaws that, I didn't really notice as a kid. Like for one thing, it's it's it, it's kind of dry. You know, there are parts that read like a more like a space military textbook than a novel, and and not not that that's necessarily the worst thing in the world because even that can be kind of fun. But it's you know it's good to remember that not everything was was so golden back in that period. We may romanticize a bit. No, you're right. Definitely a lot of the EU stuff, and including Heart of the Jedi, it feels um, a little. Um, procedural when it, when it discusses stuff. And I, I think that's the problem with sort of adapting an action thing is that you need to have action, but uh, sometimes it's, it's kind of very, very dry. It's not exciting. There's not a lot of movement. And then same with the dialogue. Sometimes it's weird for me to hear like Han Solo talking or, or reading about Han Solo talking. It feels kind of almost like wrong compared to seeing, you know, Harrison Ford actually saying the words. Yeah, I think that's definitely an issue. And, and it's something, I don't know, like, I mean, I mean, sometimes, and this is not true with all Star Wars books, but it's definitely true with some. Sometimes, like, I, I have a little bit of a, a, a disconnect where, uh, 
like Star Wars as a book, like feels strange, like like trying to translate this something that's so intensely cinematic into the language of literature. It's I, I don't know. Sometimes like a like it comes out like kind of odd. Like I I remember uh, you know I've uh, I remember I tried to read the the New Jedi Order series and I never got past the the first book because it was such a struggle to get through and it it starts out with like Leia in a shuttle like I don't know thinking about politics or something and it's like do I really want that do I really need that like I don't know something about Star Wars like I feel like it it tra it's so visual maybe it translates to to comics better because the the comics that I loved as a kid I feel like those have aged really well. Yeah, and there's something kind of strange about internal monologue for like action characters that aren't um, aren't as multifaceted slash a lot of of the allure of their character is mystery. You don't want to know what they're thinking. Yeah, and it's I mean, which which kind of like speaks to the you know the classic thing that's been a problem for the movies as well. You know, explaining too much. You know, you know Darth Vader can't be. Uh, mysterious even c-3po can't be mysterious anymore we have to see exactly how it got put together and you know <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean yeah overall i think heart of the jedi is going to be something that's a fun little blip on on star wars fandom but i i think if the book had been released in the early 90s i don't think it would have made the impact that a lot of people think it would have yeah which is my way of saying i don't think it's as good as the imagined book in our mind is the the people like uh that i see like arguing about the book online you know saying oh it's so terrible that lucasfilm squashed it i don't even think they know like what the plot of the book is necessarily they just like know yeah. that it's you know the eu and it embodies in their minds all the just pure and good about the eu no, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to read it and I'm excited to read it. But, um, you know, the first few chapters, uh, I wasn't exactly spellbound. Um, I, I kind of feel like I wish I could read um, a physical copy of it so that I could tell myself that this is more about the artifact of it than than the story. And I think that's a big part of it is it's it's almost more about the idea that it exists physically uh, than people wanting to read this story. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Well, I mean, for one thing, it's like a really, really beautiful cover. Like when I saw a picture of it, I was like, my God, like I just want that on my shelf, you know? Yeah, I mean, it looks so like classic and they even put like the Bantam Spectra logo, which isn't even a company anymore. Um, so they were trying to capture that, that exact feeling of if this book came out in 93, here's what it would look like. It's kind of interesting to, to think about the, the EU in the the rearview mirror. And, you know, like there there is certainly, like you said, like this these, you know, rose-colored, like, glasses involved. And yet, like, I feel like there's a genuine pull that that era has that, that goes beyond nostalgia. And, I mean, it, do, do you think that that's because... We, we kind of like got to see the, the the characters that we loved you know grow in a way that we don't get to now i mean we i mean that i mean instead of for instance a, a luke who you know starts one training temple and then all his students get murdered and he like goes to you know mope on an island we got a <laughs> luke who uh you know becomes a teacher and a leader and, and reestablishes the jedi new the jedi order and like 
struggles with that. Like, do, do you feel like, like part of the power of that era is that we were seeing characters grow instead of, you know, just go in circles basically. Oh, completely. Especially because like, if you think about it, there, there was only, you know, three movies and yet think about how much material uh, in the EU exists based on just those three movies. So, I mean, if it was made today, uh, it would be a TV series, you know, a TV series and it would be, you know, dozens of episodes every season and we would know every little thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course, people are clamoring for more and, and wanted to see what Luke Skywalker and Han and Leia and Boba Fett and everyone else was doing after Return of the Jedi. So completely, I, I completely understand why somebody would be into it and want more. And now we're seeing with with the Disney films and, you know, the new sequel trilogy sort of uh, be careful what you wish for sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's so, so true. I mean, not not to you know dig into the to the new uh, movies too much. We are talking about Force Awakens for real next week. Well, there is, I mean, there's that sense of like uh, almost like like J.J. Abrams was chasing the the ghost of the past, and and in his own way, I think Ryan Johnson was as well, but in a, in a different, more different, more circuitous way. And then it felt like the the EU authors were often chasing the the ghost of the future and you know sometimes uh you know that meant coming up with really weird stuff like a like a giant green rabbit <laughs> in the marvel sure. comics and <laughs> and sometimes you know that uh meant you know coming up with uh really cool stuff like like the whole idea of, of the emperor's hands and you know uh that whole thing yeah i mean i i think when you have no limits you can come up with the coolest stuff ever and you know sometimes it hits and sometimes it misses of course but um that's what makes it so exciting is it's it's the wild west anything could happen yeah yeah exactly i want to um just uh, one one thing i want to bring up is that i i feel like sometimes like there is a as a kind of you know misunderstanding among people of, of expanded universe continuity and just you know what, what what it means like the the different classifications and I, I was looking this morning at an article in Star Wars Insider and uh, um, they uh, uh, they they talked to a guy at Lucasfilm Leland Chi I believe is his name and his way like uh, kind of in the pre Disney era of keeping track of continuity was the 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 um, like all the films were were G canon. Uh, G for George Lucas, obviously, and that was a uh, that was like the most official level of canon. But then there was also like right below that mm -hmm. there was C canon, and that included all this expanded universe stuff. And it was like it was like the the second tier of continuity, but it was a uh, it was still uh, a, a official, you know. And and maybe that's like kind of splitting hairs, but. I don't know. I, I sometimes like see people like referring to the EU as as fan fiction, which I think is is kind of a a, a, a misleading interpretation, essentially. Yeah, it's it's really reductive just because. Yeah, they are making up things and, and essentially doing what fan fiction does, you know, nowadays. And and I think a bigger part of it is what the EU is doing um 
it doesn't really get done nearly as much in properties besides Star Wars, at least to that level. But I still think that they have a place in in Star Wars talk. And I think they still are important. Um, and for me, I haven't read most of the EU stuff, so it's easy for me just to ignore it. But the stuff I have read, I, I think it can live in a parallel reality. Yeah. Uh, in the same way that we talk about, you know, the prequels not really being part of our Star Wars um, reality, you know, but they're still on my mind. And I still think uh, from time to time, you know, ab about the similarities and the parallels and how one book or movie affects another one. But um, yeah, fan fiction, they're not fan fiction. Um, that's a reductive way of taking the entire grouping of books and turning it into something else. And, and that's just not true to me. Well, it's kind of funny because like what you're saying, Josh, reminds me I have this really, you know, old, battered, well-loved copy of the uh, the old guide to Star Wars characters. And it's a it's a pre prequel trilogy book. So like there are all these things in there that the prequel trilogy would later uh, contradict and, and kind of reading it. I feel like I get to go into an alternate universe and I can like read an entry on a character and be like, yeah, you know what? Boba Fett was a journeyman protector on Conquered Dawn named Jaster Muriel, not a clone, you know, and like I can go into that alternate <laughs> universe where that's how it is, you know, and it's, it's kind of fun, like sometimes. Yeah, I think I think you can have parallel universes. And also, like, I, I think the continuity thing is sort of overrated. I, I think it's nice to some degree, but but. I think even like the Bad Batch people are complaining about the second episode having a continuity error that I won't spoil. It's not like that big of a deal, but it's still like that contradicts something else. And it's like, can't these both exist? They don't have to all be the Marvel Cinematic Universe where, you know, you have 20 plus films that all are interconnected. More and more, like I care less about continuity and I'm feeling like, you know, if you want to do something cool you know makes your your film or your book or your show better and it, it violates continuity you know go for it because the you know most important thing is to make great art and uh and also too i mean i feel like like you said like you know like well even if things contradict each other they can both exist and and to that end like i feel like you know even within the expanded universe uh you know you can have a of you know headcanon you know my headcanon includes luke and mara jade getting married but it doesn't uh include um uh, uh, mara jade getting murdered by jason solo which i think is just stupid you know <laughs> like to me like that's is uh you know that part of the expanding universe i'll you know ignore that just like you know i ignore midi chlorians and luke skywalker throwing his lightsaber over his shoulder you know <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you, you touched on the heart of it, which is uh, if they're telling a good story, then who cares? Oh, well, I mean, it almost like kind of like, you know, reminds me of like the, the arguments people would have over like the the screwiness of the, the timeline for the X-Men movies. And I was always kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, <laughs> if the movies are good, which, you know, sometimes they were and sometimes they definitely were not. But like when they were good, it was like, you know fuck continuity you know they're they're making good movies you know i can you know sleep at night because of that i mean i i understand what it is to love something for decades and to see it being tinkered with uh in a way that that doesn't please you 
and and certainly comic fans know that and comic movie fans but uh at least with you know the eu or legends or whatever you want to call it now um you can choose to ignore that and it won't make a, a worse experience but if you do choose to delve into the eu uh it really can enrich the experience and there's some really cool stuff and there are some gems and i think i think part of the fun of that is like kind of you know like getting into the things that that you know only existed in the eu and like like getting to discover like a character like dash rendar and shadows of the empire and like uh, kind of like making these new acquaintances like i almost uh you know think that's that's more important than getting to see what happens to luke and han and leia although that's that's great as well yeah of course but yeah the world itself is awesome and if you have a compelling story you don't necessarily need them um like knights of the old republic which i just downloaded the second game last week so i'm really pumped to play that or you know like shadows of the empire like you said uh it's it's amazing to see that. I mean, having said that, there is a lot of crossover in shadows with other characters, but I I guess I'm saying you don't always need it because I I think fleshing out the world in in a real way um, is really fascinating. It's really cool to see uh, more of the Star Wars universe without having a Skywalker in it. Shadows of the Empire, the the multimedia experience that was so multi that. It got its own soundtrack for a movie that didn't exist. <laughs> oh, and it's pretty good, too. Yeah, I picked up the record a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's not the best pressing, but the music is really good. It is. I, I, yeah, I got, I got the CD a long time ago. and it's Yeah, I'm, I love that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's really great. Um, well, in other Star Wars news, um, I'm putting the Vulcan Reporter on blast. <laughs> they were the ones who reported they reported a lot of garbage but they reported that Star Wars Detours was coming out on May the 4th it didn't uh, and they haven't you know addressed the fact that they've been giving erroneous information so um, <laughs> we, we I, I sort of mentioned it a few weeks ago in our news episode but uh, we'll definitely not use them as a source I hope that that echo chamber diminishes somewhat because there were dozens of Star Wars fan sites that reported that Detours was coming out on May 4th because the Vulcan Reporter reported it. And um, that's kind of, I don't want to say dangerous because the stakes aren't necessarily that high. But that that's pretty shitty uh, for a website to just make something up. And even if it was based in some kind of rumor, they should have addressed that. And so there's no journalistic integrity. And I'm going to say, you know, Vulcan Reporter, shame on you because I know you're listening. <laughs> Do you know, like, why they're called the Vulcan Reporter? Like, it, are they trying to be, you know, perverse or something? By... Well, they, they report on Star Trek and Star Wars and okay. other fandom news. Okay. Um, okay. So per Star Wars is just one of the things. Gotcha. Okay. They, yeah. Um, for a sec, because I, 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 hadn't, I hadn't checked it out. And so I was like, what? Like a... A Star Wars site um, uh, called the the Vulcan Reporter. Next, are we gonna like have a have a you know a Star Trek site called Live Long and Prosper in the Living Living Force? I, I don't know. Oh, that's good. That's a T-shirt. <laughs> no, I I just think um, looking at the site, they report real news, and then they have a rumor every few months. That's unsubstantiated. And then when it doesn't happen, uh, nobody addresses it. 
But, uh, you know, I, I hope, you know, people know that their reputation is poor and, and that you can't believe everything you read on the Internet. So when we talk news, we're going to make sure, you know, as always, that we can find multiple sources that aren't just referencing, say, the Vulcan Reporter. It's so funny, too, like when there are these news stories that are so obviously wishful thinking, like, oh, you know, Disney's going to remake The Phantom Menace or, or whatever. I don't think that was a real one, but stuff like that, you know. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of uh, wish fulfillment and people hoping for something. And, you know, I would love to see Detours come out in some form, but it's too bad that that um, websites are just trying to get clicks um based on based on rumors you know and i almost thought about not even mentioning the site but i think by name saying you know vulcan reporter is garbage um i hope people think about that you know in the future when they're when they're looking up the latest star wars news when it seems too good to be true have a i forget josh have, have we ever talked about super shadow yes yes i mean for one thing we got we have we have to do an episode on it someday but i, I feel like that was like kind of the granddaddy of uh, of Star Wars sites trafficking and, and fakery. I mean, just like the the guy, like the idea that you could have a guy who literally pretended to be friends with George Lucas and pretended he had like the real, uh, you know, outlines for the sequel trilogy back in two thousand five. <laughs> it's just it's it's such a bizarre saga, and it shows them the 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 you know lengths people will go to and when i was a uh, i remember as a kid like reading super shadows uh diary and he would talk about his meetings with george and rick mccallum and like i totally bought into this stuff as a kid like i thought he really was you know george's best friend and so i, <laughs> I mean it just i bring it up because I, I think it's you know you know important to remember that uh you know, like the Star Wars audience is is multi generational. Uh, you know, kids who were you know the age now that I was back then, you know, are you know can you know pretty easily easily be duped by this stuff, and a lot of adults get duped by it as as well. So I feel like it it behooves the fan community to not you know traffic and bullshit. Yeah, agreed. And and we see the danger of it with other things, and I, I won't mention it, but other you know non-star wars internet rumors that people buy into um and i i think it's just important to be vigilant and when i say do your own research i mean make sure there's another source out there that is corroborating and it's not just an echo chamber of saying the same thing so star wars or politics or whatever it is um it, it is easy to be fooled and uh you know as Ma, as Madai Moody says, you know, constant vigilance. Yes. <laughs> Universe mashup. That's right. I had to get a Potter reference in there. <laughs> it was well played. Well played. Thank you. I'll be here all week. I uh, subscribed to Star Wars Insider a couple days ago. Oh, nice. Since we've been talking EU, I noticed last issue that they started publishing short stories again. Ooh. And so uh, I thought that's kind of exciting. That gives it a little more value. So uh, yes. I got a year of that subscription, and I'm hoping to, uh, you know, get some interesting content from it uh, that we can talk about, hopefully. Well, um, you, I mean, y'all have to let me know uh, uh, how it is because I haven't, uh, God, I haven't read it in a long time. But if it's 
if if you give if you if you give it a favorable report, I would totally subscribe. But uh, and also speaking <laughs> of uh, of uh, buying Star Wars things, you know, you tipped me off about those uh, those Star Wars shirts on sale uh, oh, on yeah. outofprint.com. and I I did uh, go for the the two for one deal. I ordered not only the yes. Heir to the Empire shirt, but also the one with the original uh, a Star Wars novelization Ralph McQuarrie cover where Darth Vader has that that you know, really yes. different but like really cool weird looking mask so i'm i'm so stoked to get that stuff oh i'm excited uh if you don't know what we're talking about outofprint.com uh is the website for this company that makes uh merchandise shirts and whatnot um based on book covers and they have a star wars line they have a harry potter line but they also do you know 1984 and uh, a bunch of classic literature um, so for May the 4th, they had a buy one, get one free sale on shirts. I ended up getting, um, I got, uh, the Yoda read, you know, the classic eighties Yoda read, um, and the force will be with you or something like that. Um, I got the, uh, novelization of the empire strikes back on like a cool blue shirt. Nice. And I got the heir to the empire shirt. Cause you have to have the heir to the empire shirt. That's so cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. I feel like God, it's like, <laughs> I do. I feel like, like, guys. As soon as like, I get that shirt, like, it's gonna be like my badge. Like now, like, I'm officially, you know, like a cranky member of you know the old guard. You know, like, like you know, like get off my lawn, you Mandalorian fans. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Star Wars ended in 1995. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just, uh, for me, I didn't have any Star Wars clothing. Uh, I threw out an old, it was a Trader Jawa shirt that looked like a Trader Joe's logo. Ooh. And I loved it, but it was so ratty. I was like, I got to get rid of this. <laughs> and that was my only Star Wars merchandise. So now I'm like, if I have a Star Wars podcast, the least I can do is buy a couple Star Wars shirts. I, you know, and I only have one myself. Like I had, uh, I, I, I still have it. And it's, it's, it's still in okay condition. I, I have a, a blue shirt. Empire Strikes Back shirt with a uh, uh, Luke with a uh, with Yoda flying on his back, and I'm always I, I always oh feel, nice feel yeah I know the one you're that. talking about that's really cool. Um, somewhere in my parents' storage, far far away, uh, I have a bunch of Star Wars stuff, and I have a pre-ordered Episode One Racer T-shirt when Ooh. I pre-ordered the game for Toys R Us years ago, and the shirt was too big and it was kind of ugly. And now I'm like, oh, I bet that's actually something valuable. I should wear it and ruin it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, any other uh, any other news or anything you want to talk about? News? Uh, yeah, I have not uh, gotten wind of of any anything else of of note. Yeah, just uh, I still haven't watched the Bad Batch yet, so. I, I, I got to get yeah, on. Yeah, neither have I. And I have the afternoon off, so I'm thinking maybe I'll just watch the first couple episodes. Or maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for us today. After a few detours, we're finally releasing our Force Awakens episode next week. We're now on Twitter, too, at Bespin Ice. You can get in touch with us by email, BespinIceCreamPod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at IamJoshO85. 
Bin can also be found on Twitter at THOBinit with two N's and two T's, as well as THOMovieReviews.wordpress.com. Have a great week, and the Force will be with you, always. Thank you.